0: Life has taught me many things as I grab a hold of the scriptures more and more as life's journey continues. What has it taught me? It has taught me that struggles and pain and difficulties in life exposes character or it builds it. In the midst of difficult times and hard times, David's character was exposed in front of Goliath. See, in the midst of difficult times, Daniel became more resolute in how he functions and operates. And his character became so strong, they had to use his character against him in order to get him to a lion's den. You see, trials, when they shape character or expose character, what the, triggers the whole process is this big word, faith. And that's what we're going to study today. We're going to study how faith works it out. And when faith is working it out, it brings out what Paul would say in the, to the end of his journey. I no longer live. I no longer live. It is Christ that lives in me. You can't get a better character development than that. And that's why I pray that you would stay tuned today so that this ministry develops you to be all God wants you to be for the glory of God. Stay tuned. For the last few Sundays, we've been looking at Joshua, a man who no matter what he experienced, no matter what he encountered, no matter what came his way that he had to deal with, Joshua would be a person who would listen to God and deal with it and expedite it the way God said so. We've been looking at that. We're looking at Joshua and how God called him and set him aside from Moses. Moses being that spiritual leader, the writer of the New Old Testament, the person who would write down the mind of God that would be in the ark of God. Joshua would be that warrior that once was a general in the army of Egypt and fought against the Ethiopians and won the great war and some man of, of confidence in his battle skill. But he's dealing with people who are not from the Egyptian army, not people from the Ethiopian army. He's dealing with people who were once slaves that weren't allowed to carry weapons. And he now has to take those people into the promised land and deal with a warriors that God would call valiant warriors. Not valiant warriors as you could have an M16 and they have a pistol. And they're still going to fight. Valiant warriors. He's dealing with those people. And yet Joshua went forward and he formulated for God everything that God wanted done. We look at Caleb who said, hey, wait a minute. I'm 85 years old, but I fought this fight. I stuck with it. Even when I saw the giants, I didn't back up. And God promised me this land. And therefore, I'm going to stick with what God says. And God promised to bless me. Rahab, who has nothing to do with the Jewish nation. But she would choose to believe in God. Because she saw the difference between the God that she, gods that she was seeing in the land and possibly worshiping. And she's comparing that with the gods she saw coming out of Egypt. And she made her choice. Here was a woman of the streets who made a choice and became in the line of Jesus Christ because they made a decision to work it out. They made a decision not just to hear the information, not just to function with the information in terms of, I believe in this and speak these wonderful words and carry around their Bibles with tabs in it. They choose to not just be hearers, they chose to be doers. See, it's not any different than what you find in the book of James. In the book of James, The people have been scattered because of Paul. Paul scattered them. They're they're in the book of James because Jerusalem became a hot place to be in because Paul was persecuting Christians. He was locking them up. He was beating them. And in the case of Stephen, he was a part of killing him. That's the person who later became the apostle Paul that at that time was Saul. And that person Saul caused this church to be scattered. When you scattered, People will know that have been disrupted from their land and shifted away like you see right now that is happening where there are wars in Ukraine. They got to pack up stuff in a little suitcase and drag all their belongings in a little small suitcase to a whole a country, to a whole a culture, to a whole a place and start over with a suitcase in their hands. It's no different than what you would see in the days of Jesus Christ, in the days that many people in Africa, when I travel Africa and there is a, a, a volcano that erupted, you grab what you can and you're walking down the streets trying to find a new way to live, find relatives that you may know, all these different people that may take you in and you start over. Well, they're starting over. When they're starting over, they're starting over with people who are saying, we don't believe in your God. And so they got all these issues to deal with. They got to find jobs. But what they're finding jobs is some of the people started to do well. But when they started to do well with their businesses, they would turn around and they would mistreat the people in the church that came looking for work. And then when they came looking for work and they mistreated them, then they would turn around and put the rich people in the right seats in the church. So you got all of this stuff is happening in the church. They they can't stand the trials. They're upset and frustrated with the trials. That's why he's saying, count them joy. Because they don't want to hear about no trials. They don't want to hear about God talking about anything. They just want to come to church and be blessed in the city, blessed in the fields, blessed when they come and when they go because they're struggling. They're trying to start over. They're trying to get their life back together. And they just want to God to bless them. But they're not willing to take care of the orphans. They're not willing to be a part of doing right when they go out to do business. They're not committed to even telling God, when I plan for tomorrow, I don't even see if the Lord wills. So they were in church, committed to church, listening to the Word of God. But James says, you don't put your faith to work. You just hear it. So instead of being a productive believer, all you become is a religious believer. And that's the challenge that we are in this year. What God did was put us through COVID. He put us through all the difficulties that you could come with COVID. Some people losing jobs. Some people losing family members. Some people going through all kind of pain and difficulty. He put us through all of these different things. It's easy in the midst of that to just do church. So that we are not as intentional as we need to be based on how the scriptures are telling us to be. So we become religious, but we're really not living out our faith. And when we're not living out our faith, we don't get from God all we want from God. God becomes more of a religious experience than an intimate, productive, powerful person that when the tough times come again, he looks at us and said, no, you walked from me. You didn't walk towards me in the midst of your trials. You didn't count it joy in the midst of the trials. You didn't decide to mature through your trials. You didn't decide to get better through your trials. No, when trials came, you became religious and you drifted from me. And that's why these people were being challenged like we are today. How in the world do I stay intentional so I work it out? Because if I'm not, I am actually a Christian, but I'm not a believer. I'm going to say it again. I'm a Christian because I've accepted Christ in my life. I believe that he died for my sins, rose from the dead. I believe that it in my heart where I'm willing to learn about him and to do things that are comfortable that I can do. But I am not a believer. We have to stop saying I'm a believer in Jesus Christ when we are not working it out. You see, I could tell you all about airlines because I've been on them for 30-something years. I could tell you all about going to Africa because I've been to Africa over 20 years. But I, don't, I didn't live in Africa. So even though I could tell you about Africa, because I didn't live in Africa, I could not call myself legitimately an African. Because to live in Africa is a different culture. I look very European when I dress. I don't look African. I said, African man walk up to me and he says, are you from Africa? He said, I said, no, that's all I could tell the way you dress. I was in Portakote, Nigeria. Oh, I could tell by the way you dress. You're very, European. And I said, well, no, I'm, I'm yes, you're right. I'm, I'm European. So let's get into an argument about it. He says, do you know why we dress this way in our culture? And I said, no. I said, do you know why women dress this way in our culture? No. So we're sitting in the lobby, we're just talking. I said, teach me, teach me why the women dress that way. I never understood that. I understood that the reason why they dress that way is because it is the most comfortable way to dress with how they have to go and function day to day. How they take care of their kids, how they use the restroom, all these different things. I would never know, I just think it's a beautiful outfit. The culture helps you to understand it. So even though I go to Africa I could never call myself African because I don't live in the culture. I don't live in the experience of the culture. A person could say I'm a Christian, but they're not African. They're not a believer. Because they don't live that Christ out in the culture. They don't live him out in their marriage. They don't live him out in their pain. They don't live him out in their loneliness and their stress and their frustration. They don't live him out. So even though they are a Christian, they're not a believer. You know, some people get all fired up about the Eagles because they're winning. And some people, when they were losing, were still fired up. There's a difference between those two people. A person is a fan because they are a fan, because no matter losing or winning, they're sitting there in a, in a Texan stands going, yes. And there's a person who only shows up when they're winning. See, that part, there's a difference between those two people. And that's what James is after right here. You got leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, zealots. They were walking with God. They're supposed to know God. They spent all day studying the Bible. They could tell you all about the Word of God. But they nailed it to the cross. Because even though they knew God, they were not a believer of God. And today, I want to challenge you to move from this religious thing of coming to church, just knowing the Bible, and you could go to different passages of Scripture. But are we actually working it out? And if you're going to commit to do that, this is the process you got to work your way through. Or you're just, you're just a traveler. You're not an African. Look at verse. Look at chapter 2, verse 18. This is what he's going to tell us at first. Because not everybody made it into the promised land. Not everybody did. A whole bunch of people died. But will you tell them, would you say you went to the tabernacle? Yes. Did you, would you say you went to the temple courts in the wilderness? Yes. Would you say they took sacrifices to God? Yes. But they didn't go into promised land because they did not believe what they knew. They just knew it. God is not meaningful if you're just going to know it up here. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes proved that when they nailed him to the cross. They proved it. They proved that you could know it up here, but no difference down here. And when there's no difference in the heart, there is no manifestation of God coming out your life. Look at verse 18, he says. He says, but someone may say, well say, you have faith and I have works. Let me explain what he's saying there. What he's saying there is that somebody's going to say, I quote you the Bible. I know about dispensationalism, covenant theology. I could tell you about pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip. I can tell you all the different systematic theological processes. I can even quote scripture out of my head. And I could tell you what this scripture is saying out of my head. They could tell you all those things. So when you meet those people, they fascinate you because they're breaking the scriptures down and they tell you what the word of God is. That's what this church is made up of, a bunch of brain neologies, people. They could tell you the Bible. They could go from Judaism to Christianity. They could break on the law against grace. They could tell you those things. These people were trained by one of the best pastors in the New Testament, James. James trained them. That's why James, when he's writing to them, could talk to them this way because James trained them. He knew who they were. He knew what they knew. And he says, I'm telling you that I downloaded faith into your head. What do you mean by that? Faith is not you know, faith, faith is not just believing in God that, oh God, I touched this car and I believe that you're going to give me this car. That's not faith. That is, that's what the Bible calls sorcery. That's not faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So a person could actually have faith, but they're not manifesting their faith because they have the word of God. The faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So a person can hear the word of God. A person could understand what the word of God says. A person could understand everything what God is saying in the Bible. But that person, James is saying, is useless because all they have is a biblical knowledge. They don't have an application of it. Let me give you an example of it. I gave you this a few years ago. I'll use it again. I went in to get my, in those days, I could go out and turn my car in and I could get a loaner car. So the guy says, no, you got to go around the corner because now we're using Enterprise Rental. I said, no problem. I walk around the corner. He says, we could, we could drive you over there. Oh, man, no, I need to walk. I walk around the corner, put my backpack on and go. I get in there. The guy says, here's the keys. Thank you. I go in the car and I sit in the car and I know the gas, the accelerator and all this other stuff. Been driving since I was 16 years old. So I t- and I'm looking for where to put the key in and I can't find where to put the key in. So I go back inside and he says, Oh, no, 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 that, that car is keyless. You don't tell an analytical person like me that the car is keyless and give me keys. It, it doesn't make sense to a person that's analytical like me. So I'm standing in front of him going, you give me keys, but the car is keyless. He goes, oh, no, um, you don't use the keys. So I'm still standing there because you don't tell me you don't use the keys and give me the keys. I, I'm analytical. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm broke with parents that make you analyze everything. Take out the trash. Dad, take out the trash when? Okay, now. I grew up like that. So, so I'm saying, guy, keyless, don't need the keys, got the keys. So he's looking at me now, and he got a smirk on his face. I guess he decided to make me nothing. He had a smirk on his face. He says, oh, no, it works. Just go in the car. So I'm going the car, no keys. I press the button because I look down there, and I'm reading now. I press start, doesn't start. I said, man, I have the keys. I press start and not start it. Now he's really laughing. He's, he's like laughing. Okay. know he's laughing. He's, he decided, to, I, I really think he decided to have fun with me that day. So I go in the car. He says, you got to press the brakes. So I go in the car, hold the key. I press the brakes. Nothing works. So now I'm embarrassed. I don't want to go back inside. So now I'm sitting down with the key in my hand, keyless. I put it in my pocket. This is keyless. Press the brakes. I press the brakes. And I said, okay, you got to start. So I pressed start. Boom, it started up. (laughs) I said, oh, This is how it works. That was the first time I went into a keyless car that did not demand anything. Now, does that mean that I didn't know how to drive the car? Yes. Does that mean I don't have the information with the key? Yes. Does that mean that I'm not getting information and I'm not knowing what to do with the information in terms of pressing the brakes? Yes, but I didn't coordinate the stuff. So the car, even though I can drive, even though the car is is very capable of driving, only had a few miles on it, I'm still stuck. James is saying you could have all this biblical information, but you're stuck. You can't move in your marriage. You can't move with your finances. You can't move in your struggles of depression and loneliness because even though you have the information, you haven't taken the time to life-applicate it. So you're stuck. James is saying you are stuck. You're frustrated in your trials. You can't count them joy. You can't deal with your trials. You don't even have wisdom because you don't even take the information and apply it. So you lack wisdom. He says, when it comes to the widows in the church, you're doing nothing. When it comes to the people that you want to get jobs from, you sit them up and make them look all good in church because you need to manipulate them to get jobs the next day. You're turning around and begging God for stuff so you can gain the world you see in front of you. You are sitting in the car, but it is not moving, and you're frustrated with God because you have. Faith but you don't have works. That's the reason why he's also saying here that you could have works. There's some people that have a lot of works, but they don't have no faith with it. They, 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 let, me, let me give you for instance. Let me give you a for instance. See, people, many times, they disconnect the Bible, but they're going to be a good person. And the Bible says when you disconnect the Bible and you choose to be a good person, what you have is works, but you don't have no faith. So even though you're a nice person, God is not working for you because you're working off of your own common sense, your own way of thinking, your own, you're functioning the way you think you ought to function, you're functioning the best way you think you ought to function because I'm a nice person, this is what my parents raised me to be, this is what my grandparents raised me to be, this is what I know is right and wrong, and so you drop the Bible, pick it up when it's necessary, but you don't use the scriptures, you use the niceness, your grandmama, your mama, everybody else that you've learned, or the books you've read in college to decide what to do. Let me give give an example. Many times people raising kids, they would come from a psychology background. You don't spank the kid, you just tell the kid, give the kid options. You don't spank the kid, give the kid options. So the kid is doing the wrong thing, you find the right thing and move the kid to the right thing because the kid is born good. But since the kid is born good, I need to make sure the good of the kid come out and don't do anything to the kid that makes the kid do wrong. That's psychology 101. So they come and the child, and the child is misbehaving. Uh, we don't spank here. That's not how this house run. And they turn around and then give the kid the positive things to do. The only problem is the kid goes to the blocks and the kid goes, I don't want that and throw it to the side. Now they have a behavioral problem with a positive issue. And now they're trying to figure it out. And then they say, well, I'm a good parent. I raised my child. I clothed my child. I took care of my child. I do all these different things for my child. I work. I get them a good environment to live in. I make sure are not in a bad neighborhood. So how could this child just keep misbehaving? They got works. They don't have faith. And they don't get the results that they want. See, the Bible is saying you can't have one without the other. That's why he's saying it's good to it's good to know, but you gotta tie it together. That's what he's gonna say later on. He says, I will show you my f- faith by my works. Show you my faith by my works. And, and this is all, let me get a little greeky for you. This is all present tense indicative word. What does that mean? If I don't, if I have faith with no works, then I'm not, I don't have the habit of using the Bible to the issues I face. I have the habit of dropping it. You know, the, you know the worst times people drop the Bible? is when they don't like it. When they don't like it. That's why James is saying, you ended up with all these trials with all this pain and all this difficulty. And then you want to blame God as to why God is not working for you. And God is saying, no, you weren't even praying for wisdom in chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. And if you prayed for it, you started to doubt. You shift from one side to the next because you're trying to pray for wisdom, turn off the Bible while you do what you want to do while God blesses it. Kind of like putting ice cream on a bad cake. You end up eating the ice cream, not the cake. That's why he's saying we become useless. Look at this in verse 19. We become useless. Useless to God. Like the church has become today. The church is slowly becoming useless. Now let me ask you a quick question. Has the Black Lives Matter people reached out to the church like it was in the 60s when Martin Luther King led the church? No. We're becoming useless. People are not looking to the church for guidance. Unless, you know, they need some money then all of a sudden I get these letters. Come to this function. Buy a table. They ain't call me all year to ask me for nothing. See? See? The church has becoming useless. The church in the African-American community was the staple for everything that happened. Everything. Communicating things. Talking about things. Getting the leadership and direction. All came from the church. Today it doesn't come from rappers. It comes from social media personalities. It comes from different people that are actors. It ain't coming from the church. We are slowly becoming useless because we have become more religious than we have become believers. Because we're not committed to work it out. And it is hard to teach that and pastor that even here. A Bible teaching church. It's hard because people Don't want church anymore. On Sunday morning, church was the place that African-Americans flood to. Folk washed their cars. Folk went to the barbershop. Folk came to church. It was about church. At the end of every week, it was about church. People went to their church. They cleaned their cars. They packed them kids. They didn't ask the kids if they want to go to church. They packed them kids in church. And church was all day. So you can't talk about it right now. All day long. It was, you got morning. I remember them days. Hallelujah. Bring back some memories. You get up, you go to church. When you finish church, you leave church after my mother and father talk forever in the churchyard. It could be hot, they still talking and they are fully clothed with stockings and everything else like Priscilla is saying and they are talking and they're going on. The testimony times like she was saying, long church go on for three hours. That's the way it used to be. Now we got people, now (laughs) Black people talk about God. No, we, look at, I'm a Christian. I go to church once a year on Easter. People now come to church and they want to know some of the drag babies from them that used to be piled into the church or asking questions like, why church now? They got jobs now. They're more educated now. They got money now. They got six figures now. They drive in cars where you could press the button now. And they're sitting around asking, why church? But if you ask them if they're saved, they say, I'm saved. If you ask them if they believe in God, I believe in God. If you ask them, do you believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ. Now, some of them are switching over to all these different religions that are they walking with. They want to switch over now because it's more black, which makes no sense. Because you go back into the Bible, you'll find Ethiopian eunuchs. You will find people running alongside Jesus crying the cross that were black. You got so much black folk in the Bible, it'll blow your mind. But somehow we ain't in the Bible. We have become so non-church, we don't even know what God's saying anymore. So it's not not an issue of whether or not people hear the Bible. The issue is they don't work it out. So all it is is a bunch of information that they could do a textbook study of. And they study this textbook and then they go to another textbook and they evaluate the two because they're now more intelligent than they were before. And that's why the church is becoming more and more useless. That's what James is saying. The people are not looking at the church as a hub anymore. They're looking for jobs as a hub. You read this book, you see it. He has to talk about the tongue. They, they, they just let the tongue fly in chapter 3. Even the teachers are not even teaching solid information it's whatever came to their minds whatever makes sense to them they're saying that chapter 3 is not about the general person using the tongue it's about the teacher using the tongue he's actually saying he actually says look at your wisdom your wisdom is so messed up it's now become demonic in the church That's why you got first and second and and greater and lower churches. You got all these schisms. In verse 13 he says, who among you in chapter 3 is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth this wisdom is, is not that which comes down from above it is earthly natural demonic it's got a whole bunch of things they're calling wisdom that's why he said in chapter one you're praying for wisdom but you don't show any wisdom you act like you got wisdom but you don't show any wisdom why because the concept of the bible is out of your mind because you think you're too smart for god and so now what you got is demonic activity that's why there's divisions and schisms and all these different things right smack dab in the church He said, that's evidence that demons were running around inside of them. Look at it right here in verse 16. He says, But there was self jealousy, selfish ambition exists, and there is disorder and every evil thing from people who got faith, people who got information from a good pastor like James. He said, It's so bad that you got demons running around in the church. That's why he says, You become useless. Because the demons are in the church. That's why there's divisions and schisms and this group over here and that group over there. That's why I fight that so hard here when I sense it. Because I don't want Satan up in here. I need Jesus to heal. When we pray over somebody for healing, Jesus going, we need Jesus to heal them. It's not just about the church uh, uh, just preaching the Bible. It's about we need Jesus. We need Jesus to heal. We need Jesus to bless when we give to bless. We need Jesus Christ to watch over us all week when our kids go out the door and come in the door. We need Jesus to cover them. We need Jesus to be among us. We, do, we need him to be among us. I pray that you will give to Power Walk. We've got trips to Africa, to Barbados, to Guyana. We've got trips to the Bahamas. We've got trips into different parts of the world that God is leading us to. And I pray that your support will effectively touch lives because we take qualified pastors with me as well who are well-trained, well-qualified. I look forward to your support. It takes your support to make all of this possible. We have a a school that is now being built in Mozanzi, Rwanda. We pray that along with other people who are supporting this school that is getting it off the ground it it's almost finished being built, that you will help us reach that $250,000 deficit. We look forward to hearing from you. Specify to us what you want us to do, and we'll make sure it gets there. Thank you for supporting Power Walk. Your support is essential.